you're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from Amber, and I'm going to give a little bit of context. So you preach in a sermon in the Philippians series, and you talked specifically about church community and that our love for the Lord and the gospel really should inflame our love for the church, for body of believers, and that if you are not loving your fellow believers and in community with them, perhaps that says some things, such as you're trying to create community in your own image, or you are too self-critical, or some different things. And Amber's question, which I wanted to pull into Ask Dr. E, because I think this is the majority of, Hmm. you know, going to church two weeks or more out of the month, people who go to church on a, I mean, that's considered like a consistent. That's big these days, <laughs> like unfortunately. Going, well, yeah, and COVID yeah. changed everything. But even before then, yeah. it was like, if you go to church twice a month, you are considered a, a church goer. You're saying you're a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I think her question is how the majority of people feel. So this is what she said. She said, I've always thought community happens when you embrace the people God has put in your life and you choose to do life together with them. Some insist that you should join a quote unquote community group with your church to properly do life with fellow believers. I find it difficult to join a group of people you don't have anything in common with when you have people in your life already that you don't see enough. And she wants your thoughts on this. So Essentially, you know, Dad, do I have to join a community group? Talk to me. Number one, I have said over and over and over for many years, three things that change the Christian, God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. And that's a priority because the word is the truth. The word is the mind of God in print. God's spirit is the person of Christ who indwells us to help me submit to and be controlled by his word. And then I need people who will walk alongside me. Now, Anyone who's listened to me for more than 10 times knows I have, you know, Dave Gibson, Jim Trafficant, Robert White, you know, all these guys I'm shouting out and naming their, you know, I should give them the emails, go harass them. These people know me. They know my George Bocorny. They know my secret, Seth Hewitt. Yeah. They know all about me, and I know a lot about them, and I trust them. That's a community I've worked at, in some cases, for 40 years. Yeah. I've pursued them. None of those men fulfill every communal need in my life okay it's not you know robert brings things dave brings things so just in that sphere i can't think hannah of living the christian life apart from those guys now that's affinity and those are relationships i pursued now local churches sometimes you know you have to go to this group or here's a zip code life's messy be with these there's merit in that but I would think it foolish that the God of the universe would constrain us to one method of community. You're going to have influences in your life when you were in junior high and high school and college and your master's. You had other women speaking into you, not your mom, and those relationships changed. They're transactional over time. I personally prefer affinity based on wisdom. When I read the Proverbs, for example, the corpus of the wisdom literature, I'm learning from others that know more about me in that area. If I'm a parent with three toddlers, I need people that have survived toddlers. If I got three or four teenagers, I really need parents that have survived teenagers. If I got trouble in a marriage, if I'm infertile, fill in the blank, I'd much rather have someone in my life. So the idea of a forced community 
I'm not saying it's wrong. It's not my cup of tea either, yeah. Amber. And I'm not saying it's yours or is or isn't yours, Amber, but it's not mine. I think churches can f- try to force feed things that aren't good. Summarily, affinity's good. Stations of life is good. Now, that said, you might be old enough that you need to be encouraging people that aren't like you. So you've heard me again talk about your mom and me, Cindy and I. You Actually, you and Tyler were endured one of our two-year groups. I think there's value in learning for a season. We did that for two years. We met weekly. And then there's a point where we get out of the nest. Go do this yourself. Yeah. And so I think transactional, transitional relationships in the Christian life are important. I was scanning over a list of one another's, and I've preached on this on occasion. Depending on how you count them, there's probably 60 times the phrase one another is found in the New Testament. This is talking about Christians love one another, be devoted, honor one another, live in harmony, build up one another, be like-minded, accept, admonish one another, care for, serve, bear one another's burdens, be patient, speak the truth, uh, consider others better than yourself. On I could go. So that tells me the New Testament emphasis of the local church is one another. I mean, in fact, if you're in a small group, great study. Yeah. Tease out 20 of them yeah. and study them in context and say, how do we do this? So that's sort of my high-level rant. Affinity, I think, is wise. I think force-feeding a group that has nothing in common, there can be benefit. I've heard of people that say, you know, I learned a lot from this widowed person or this widowed person. I learned a lot as a single person from that married couple. I'm not against that. But, you know, if you don't have anything in common, I don't think it's wise to try to force that. Because what will happen, people won't go. Yeah. They'll disconnect. Yeah. I don't like that person. They don't like me. I have nothing. How many times have you heard, I have nothing in common with those people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to go there for two years to be miserable? Right. So that just doesn't make sense. Well, you should serve them. Okay, serve them. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, yeah, yeah. there's freedom in the body of Christ. But at the end of the day, the question I ask myself, Hannah, you need to ask yourself, Amber, am I any more like Christ than I was last year or the year before? Am I growing? I don't think with God's word, God's word, God's spirit, God's people, you can mm-hmm. grow mm-hmm. and change. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, to her point of, you know, there's people that are in her life and she's in break, kind of what you were saying with Robert and Traff and Dave. And I think some people, few people can do that well and pursue those people and have spiritually deep, meaningful relationships. But a lot of people can't slash don't do that. You know, yeah, you may have a bunch of Christian friends, but when was actually the last time you had a spiritual conversation with those people? When You know, so I think that's to where the rub is. And I think a lot of times churches push community groups because they just want the people that come on Sunday mornings to be connected to some other person in some way at that church. Like I attend a massive church, thousands of people, and they are constantly. And I mean, I'll say we're not in a community group right now, but they are basically like, you have to be in a community group to really consider yourself part of our church. And their point is, and they'd probably say, we wouldn't say it that harsh, but I think their point (laughs) is, you know, there's what, 15 pastors on staff and there's 8,000 people. So how can 15 pastors know 8,000 people? They can't. So, you know, it's kind of their funnel to try to attach, but 
are you serving? Are you setting up Bingo. coffee once a month? And you're connected to those people. I think about Emmanuel. You went to the choir and that was like an entire church community. Totally. By One itself. of the best ones. And yeah. They'd had a little Sunday school. I shouldn't say a little. They had a big Sunday yeah. school class for them, but that was their community group. They didn't need to be in a, you know, Wednesday night study with other women or like that was their people. And so I think, and this is something that I'm constantly you know, Tyler and I constantly come back to you is if we've said this is our local church and this is where we go and we're going to tithe, but what else is going to tie us to that mm-hmm. body of believers? And if we're not in a community group and we're not serving in any capacity and essentially all we're doing is attending at least once a week, maybe every <laughs> every week and giving them our money, like, you so, know, I so think that's where the let me the let me uh, And I can't absolve anybody really, but let me absolve people. You know, there's seasons where it's hard. You have totally. three. You have three children that are young, and they're sick all the time. And there's <laughs> and there's nursery requirements about those sick kids. You know, don't beat yourself up. And you know what? I got pastors that would be mad at me for saying that. Be mad at me. I don't care. <laughs> this is not my first rodeo. There are times when it is hard, and that's okay. Now, don't stay there. Totally. Don't stay there. Yeah. You have to grow out of it. You said something earlier about it's not. You said it so well. It's not easy for everyone to do that. One word I wish I could impress upon Christians is take initiative. Two words, take initiative. Ask some couples to get together. You know, Amber, maybe you got three couples you're already hanging with. That's your quote community. Be intentional and say, we're going to have a Saturday brunch. We're going to go away and rent a cabin for two nights on a weekend or maybe a Thursday, Friday, come back Saturday. Whatever you, you can. People have so much freedom a day. Go do something. And then... Have a question. What's God teaching you right now? What's the one unanswered prayer in your life? What are your goals spiritually? Just come up with three or four really good questions that move from movies and, you know, raising children and the next, you know, gadget for our cars. And I'm a, I love technology so much and it just plagues me at the same time. And I can talk about technology with my friends. Stop. Ask some questions about what God's teaching you. You do this, and you've seen me do it over suppers. Um, what's the Lord teaching you right now? Yeah. The conversation goes like that. Oh, yeah. And someone will say, you know what? Nothing, because I'm totally disconnected. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a little more about that. I mean, totally. just throw some questions out there. And, you know, I have several groups I'm involved with on a monthly basis. None of them I lead. But sometimes I'll lead. Yeah. I have <laughs> that problem. You know what? Uh, one in three times, it works. Yeah. One in four times, it works. One in five, I don't care. It ain't tit for tat. But as a Christian, take the initiative to move it beyond the superficiality of raising children and making payments and getting your house paid for or your dream yeah. home or trap. I mean, Goodness, we have so much going on horizontal. You know, this came out of the Philippians series, and the one thing, Hannah, that God has just beat me about the head and shoulders of, I think, and maybe I shouldn't project this, you are pretty strong on most people. This is a problem and a concern. My frustration is I think we have such a distorted view of who Jesus Christ is. We're living our life disconnected from him. Yeah. And we've made the Christian life a consumerism thing. How do I use it, consume it? How does it help me? How is it advantageous in good yeah. ways? Out of debt, sexually pure, yeah. faithful to my wife, raising my kids to love Christ. All those things are fine. 
we are off kilter. We are looking at horizontal Christianity, not vertical Christianity. If there's one thing I would infuse people with when it comes to all this is when you look at Jesus Christ, not envisioning nonsense like, you know, getting in the lotus position. When you envision Jesus Christ, who is he? The sovereign creator, sustainer of the universe, the one eternal king. He's lived forever and will. Kingdoms rise and fall. America will one day fall. Cultures will come and go. People will die. Christ is eternal. And we are off focus. And we're thinking about I, me, my, instead of he, you, him. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us, text us, or email us. The info's in your show notes. Ask Dr. E is part of the Michael Easley in Context ministry. You can find more shows and biblical resources at michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain.